Blog Talk Radio. To the Dante Show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another round of the Dante Show with your boy Dante Morrison. It is Monday, May twenty first, two thousand eighteen. Can you believe that we are almost in the summer of a new year of this year? Memorial Day weekend is this weekend. I know everybody's probably at the gym right now, listening to the Dante Show on the treadmill, or doing some crunches or something like that. Or for those of you who could really care less, you're probably sitting down with a pint of Ben & Jerry's ice cream, taking in the show. Either way, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming back another week for another round of the Dante Show. I am so excited about tonight's show because I think it's a topic that we rarely talk about. We rarely just dish. It's also a topic that a lot of people are really unaware about. You know, they don't really get it. It's internalized homophobia and other issues that make people just really not be their authentic Themselves. And I think it is very important because we live in a society where social media has basically made it all made a lot about image and this facade of who you should be um, and not who you really are. But it's all good. Tonight we're going to talk about it. We're going to go in depth and we're going to just dissect some situations and issues and circumstances. And I have a phenomenal guest on tonight's show that's really going to give us the, the therapeutic side of all this, how we can deal with it. But while you are getting ready for the show, let's talk about some stuff that's going on. So I'm sure over the weekend, everybody stayed up till 3 in the morning to watch the royal wedding. Yep, there was a wedding in England that the entire world, from what I am seeing, actually watched. I didn't stay up on the night that it happened, on the morning that it happened. I did watch it the next day on YouTube. And I will say, it was a nice little soiree. Good little shindig. I'm really happy for the couple, but from what I'm seeing on social media, a lot of people are not sharing the sentiment. Some folks are saying, you know, yo, why the sister got to go over there and marry into the white man's, you know, whatever, 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 blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, you also got some folks saying, why would he marry a black girl and mess up royal lineage and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Whatever the case may be, you know, they love each other. They're happy. We always talk about let love rule, let love lead, and love is love unless it's not the kind of love that you think it should be. But whatever the case may be, their wedding was off the chain. It was humongous. Um, the dress was worth, I think, over $100,000. Um, she is now a part of the royal family. She is a duchess. She's not a princess. She is a duchess. And she's happy. You know, it wasn't her fault she met a, met a prince. It just happened to be that way. Or a duke. You know, and it wasn't his fault that he met, you know, a sister. <laughs> but power be to both of them. I wish them um, success, beautiful babies, perfect health, and all that kind of stuff. Those who have never listened to the Dante Show before, guess what? You can go on Facebook and join my Facebook thread. It goes right along with the show. People give comment, commentary, post memes, and all that. And I have a bunch of regulars. I see Bridget is already here with me, Kwame, Shay. Everybody is here. Um, so if you are new to this, um, be true to this. Go to my page on Facebook, Dante Morrison, D-O-N-T-A, last name Morrison, like Jim Morrison of the Doors, and you can see the conversations already started. Um, and other news, you know, outside of the royal wedding, let's be clear that Beyonce is not a religion, but for some, she is. It's, it's kind of funny because they have started, somebody started a church of Beyonce. No joke, it's a church of Beyonce where they're literally in church singing Beyonce and Destiny Child songs um, in the terms of religious worship, you know. So we all know that religious is really rooted in just a like belief of a god or deity or whatever. And some people have made Beyonce just their deity. Um, but I don't think it's the fact they made Beyonce God. I think they're saying, you know, what she stands for is, is great. But I don't know. Um, some people say that they heard she bought a church in New Orleans. Some people say that's all a myth, that's all a rumor. Um, I don't know what it is. You know, whatever the case may be, you know, I'm not going to worship Beyonce 
And if the beehive want to get mad at me for that, then so be it. Or the beehive want to get mad at me for that, then um, I don't really care. But come on now. She's an entertainer. She's a singer, songwriter, dancer. She's all that. But God is what she is not, period, point blank. And I wonder if she's going to say anything about this, if she's going to address it herself and be like, come on, people, you know, relax, step back. You're doing too much. You know, I'm not sure, but. Hey, some people need someone to look up to, and they have definitely elevated Beyonce to another level, um, which is, I don't want to laugh. I'm not going to say it's quite comical. I'm going to say it's interesting. It is very, very, very interesting. All right, and then last but not least, for those of you who may have watched the Billboard Awards last night, Janet Jackson got the Icon Award, well, well-deserved, long-overdue Icon Award, and Miss Jackson stomped out there and sang nasty, and she did it in full Jackson-esque type fashion. Um, it, was, it was something seeing Janet just step on that stage because, you know, we've been just um, bombarded with Beyonce and Rihanna for the last few years, that not that we, we haven't forgotten about Janet, but to see Janet take the stage at the award show. And honestly, Janet really did little of nothing. She did a few moves here and there, but Janet just walked out there and was like, yo, I'm Janet. She on some sneakers, a little suit, a little ponytail, and was like, hey, I'm Janet. I'm going to be Janet. Y'all will never be Janet. Um, I'm the reason why you are who you are. So kudos to Janet for getting that award. Um, much shout out to her. Matt loves her. I've always been a diehard Janet fan. And then also shout out to J-Lo. You know, J-Lo did her thing, and we all know that J-Lo was one of Janet's backup dancers back in the day, especially in the That's the Way Love Goes video. We can even see J-Lo having some dialogue in it, but now she is a superstar in her own right, and she performed last night as well. So kudos to Janet, kudos to, to J-Lo, um, kudos to all the other greats that are out there that are going unrecognized. Oh, and before I forget, we cannot forget about that train wreck of a Cena Aguilera and Demi Lovato game. I mean, some people may say it was great. I thought it was a focal mess. I, when I say it was, it was like two Patti LaBelle's trying to outdo each other and neither one of them could sing it right. It was horrible. It was atrocious. I mean, we already know that Christina Aguilera is the queen of marathon running. She does not know when to stop running. Demi Lovato can sing. I give Demi props. Demi Lovato can sing, but I think that her singing was was challenged by Christina trying to out-sing everybody in the audience. I mean, even the people that wasn't singing, she was trying to out-sing them. But if you did not get a chance to watch it, Check it out. Um, take a look at it. Take a gander at it and, you know, judge for yourself. But as far as me and my house, we thought it was a train wreck, and I'm going to stand by that until the day I die. It was horrible. It was horrid. It was a mess. All right? So that's that. So is everybody ready now for tonight's show? You got your, you got your libations. You got your snacks. You got your popcorn. You got your tablet. got your pen, your paper. Um, tonight is going to be a good one. Um, I think that, that it is important that we talk about internalized homophobia, especially for persons um, in the LGBTQ community, because quite often um, we see people who are gay, um, I want to say bashing other gays, but they're just not self-affirmed and they're not true to themselves. And they look at other gays as being more gay than what they are. Um, and I think that causes problems. And I think tonight's conversation is going to shed light on a lot of um, a lot of stuff in that area. Um, a lot of a lot of gays that I know. I had a conversation over the weekend with quite a few people that were still dealing with the fact that they're gay and like, well, I don't want to identify as gay. I like the same sex, but I'm not gay. Gay. I'm just gay. Okay, that's cool. Um, whatever. But um, this is going to be a good conversation. I'm ready for it. I'm excited about it. So invite your friends to tune in, um, people that you know that are, are probably dealing with self-acceptance in whatever area of their lives. I think it's going to be a good show for them. If you are dealing with some self-acceptance in certain areas, it's going to be a good conversation for you as well. Um, tonight's guest is Margina Carter, and she is a therapist. And I, from what I'm looking on her website and all that kind of stuff, she is a bomb one. I may have to make up an appointment afterwards to sit on her couch and talk about my issues and what I'm going through. <laughs> but this is her first time on the Dante Show, and from what I believe, her first time even on a podcast. So um, I'm excited to have her. Um, I love having new guests to this whole realm of conversation. I'm excited to have her here, and I believe she's going to give us some information that's going to help us grow as individuals. So Dante Show listeners, without further ado, help me welcome for the very first time 
time on my show, Margina Carter. Margina, welcome to the show. Hello, Dante, and thank you for having me, and thank you for breaking my podcast virginity. Um, thank you, for you are more welcome. <laughs> yes, and thank you for everybody that's tuning in. Um, so my name is Margina Carter. I'm a relationship and trauma expert. Um, I'm also the owner of Carter Care Therapeutic Services, a private psychotherapy practice located in Los Angeles, California. So um, at our practice, we specialize in marriage and family therapy, um, also trauma, um, children's trauma, um, and LBGTQ, which is what we'll be discussing um, tonight. Love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, Margina, what, what, what pushed you, just to ask you a few questions, what pushed you into this realm? Why did you choose, like, mental health and therapy and all that as a vocation? Yeah, I think that is so important because it's something that um, everyone has the capability experience. Um, most people have experienced some sort of mental illness. Um, maybe not to the point of diagnosis, but we all have moments of depression. And so when we're not educated on it, we may pass that off as just having a bad day or the blues until things are too late. And so for me, it was always important to um, educate people on mental health and mental illness and understanding that it doesn't have a face, but you, your mom, your children, um, you know, soundly enough, even animals become depressed. And so um, for me, it was just always a calling to get people to understand what that actually was like um, or Mm. what it is like to know someone with a mental health illness or even you experiencing it yourself. If you don't have the warning signs of the education, then oftentimes it's overlooked. And when you can have taken the time to go and get help and support early on, because it's overlooked or passed over, or people don't understand it, or because the behaviors are awkward, um, then, then it's often ignored. Um, or there's denial, right. which actually makes things worse. Love it. So, I love that. I mean, that and that's, yeah. that's real talk. That is definitely real talk. Definitely. And then, you you know, when you and I first, when we first um, interacted, you know, the, the thing that you said that really hit me the most was living in truth you know, and just helping people to live in truth and find their authentic selves, which is so important, you know, for all of us. And just, you know, can you just respond upon that? What does living in truth mean to you? Yeah, so for me, living um, in my truth is knowing and understanding myself, Um, accepting myself, the good parts and the flaws, and it means loving myself without punishment when I do things wrong because nobody is perfect. Things wrong, we all make mistakes. We all have had a moment where, like, I might have been a little bit too rude to the person standing in the line in the grocery store in front of me. Um, But through all of that, all your flaws, when you still love yourself, um, that is living your truth and always striving to be happy. If you work very hard to incorporate happiness in your life, so whether that is finding um, a hobby um, or a task to do, to-do list, goals, making sure that you're happy. Um, and if you're happy, then you are already living in your truth. Hmm. I love that. I, lo- I love that. I mean, that was refreshing to hear. And that was really refreshing to hear because most people don't even know how they would, uh, what happiness means to them, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, we look at society, we look at society right now is basically pushing everyone to be their authentic selves Yet when people do so, they are often harshly judged. You know, it's like, you know, live in your truth, be yourself, you know, and all that. But then if they do that, they get judged or ostracized or set aside, you know. And, and, and what are your thoughts on this double standard that we've kind of created? Yeah, so I think that you can be yourself and express who you are in a way that is unique to you. Um, and that means being your authentic self. But with that said, if it's unique to only you, then others may not understand it, which is what makes us different. Um, there is no person like posing views and opposing thoughts um, and people who may disagree with how you choose to express yourself or how you choose to live your best life. 
um, despite that maybe they're, they're the ones who push you to be the best you can be, uh, which you find a lot of times in uh, families of LBGTQ, um, that you get a parent who is so pushing and so loving, but you find that it comes with conditions. Okay, well, only if you're not dating a man and you're a man, or only if you're dating oh, wow. someone of the same race you know, or of the same socioeconomic status. So I think when, you know, you're being your authentic self, it doesn't matter um, how modest your expression is or how minimal you are in the words that you use or overly worry, speak with your hands or boisterous. As long as you can do it in a way that I feel is tasteful and respectful and honest and motive-free, um, then there shouldn't be um, anyone that has something to say about that because you came from a good place. But most people don't employ that kind of thought process. You know, we allow our own morals and judgments and our own feelings to overshadow what it is that someone is trying to get across from us, which is unfortunate. A lot of barriers in communication with family and friends when it comes to living in your own truth. Um, and so I think that, you know, if we can begin to look at people um, through their lenses and not through ours, uh, we can begin wow. to accept people who are living in their truth. That was that was profound yeah. right there, looking at people through their lenses and not ours. And that is something that honestly is not easy to do for a lot of people. Um, no, that, no. That, that hit me right there. That even right there, because I think so often we're conditioned to act and feel and think and believe a certain way that we we subconsciously look at people through our own lens and don't know how to mm-hmm. shift and even try to consider, you know, what they're feeling or how they're feeling or how actions, you know, impact them. And I think a lot of it is just really Absolutely. learned behavior. That was that was deep. That was. Go ahead. You want to further um, yeah. that? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. You didn't cut me off. I'm just ad-libbing. I said absolutely. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, because well, the thing is, is that it's very much so true that when you when you don't have empathy, empathy, you know, they say in, in other words, put yourself on those shoes. And just like you said, that's what looking at, looking, um, at someone through their lenses are, seeing things from their view. I may not agree with you. I may not understand you. I may think the things that you've done is deplorable, that you have no good morals, but guess what? That's your truth and that's not mine. If I don't agree with it, then why do I put energy into it? If I don't think that... Um, the way you choose to live your life, how authentic you may be, is a way that is conflicting um, to my morals, then you're not a part of my life. And and great for both of us because we probably would not be able to coexist because our beliefs are two, on two different ends of the spectrum. And oftentimes your beliefs and your morals are fixed, and you can't really get me to change them. So in that case, I accept it. And I move on. We are just not someone who uh, have the same morals and beliefs, and we're too fixated in our own to be able to uh, listen to each other. So with that said, we don't have good communication. And if we're not open to it, then that is okay, too. It's accepting that me and this person just cannot communicate, and that is all right. Wow, <laughs> that you know, listen, you preaching right now. You behind the pulpit, and I think that think what you said at the very the very last thing you said was, and that is all right. I think that is the biggest challenge that a lot of us have getting to that place where it's just okay. You know, we're on two different pages. You know, we're just not gonna agree. We're just not there, and and we're okay with that. I think we spend so mm-hmm. much time trying to trying to convince. And, and coerce and force and all that, that we don't just let things be and then go our own way. And and I would like to also add that social media plays a huge part of that because mm-hmm. now everyone is trying to please somebody on social media and not just live their authentic life. You know, I mean, you really set a mouthful within the last 60 seconds that you just, you shut the whole thing down right there. Just be okay with it. We don't, we don't agree. And I'm not going to put all this extra mm-hmm. energy into it. Yeah, that and and when you can do that, 
then actually you're living um, your best, your, excuse me, you're living your best self and your best life squared, okay, times two. Because in the end, if I can understand you, I can not disagree with you, and then also not debate with you, and then walk away saying they had an opinion that was different than mine. I didn't agree with it. We actually can't coexist, but in no way did I shut down their point of view because I knew it was exclusive to them, and that is okay. That's why we're all here to have different views. Um, Otherwise, we'd be a, a table full of boring folk if everyone had the same beliefs. So Agreed 100%. Yes. Mm-hmm. Agreed 100%. Um, and then, and then let's, let's go a little bit deeper. So, you know, members of the LGBT community are often forced to live in denial in order to feel accepted by society. You know, and I'm sure you can expound upon the kind of impact that that can have on an individual. Absolutely. Um, so one thing I've found um, more so in treatment is that when folks are um, not feeling accepted, you get a lot of people who just hate themselves. Um, And that's what we'll talk about a little bit later, the internalized um, homophobia. They just really hate um, that part of themselves. There may be other areas that they are accepting in. Maybe they're great in their sports or a great family member, but they hate the fact that they're gay. Um, And I think, or anywhere on the spectrum, lesbian, bi, trans, um, I think it often has to do with how you were raised um, and what what are the reinforcers in your life growing up. Um, because, you know, there are some people who grew up in households where, where they're not the first generation gay. They have an aunt, an uncle who's gay, you know, um, and, and that is something that is open and expressed and loved in their family. Then in other families you got where no one talked about it if there was someone who uh, was gay or bi, um, then it was kept quiet. And so I think that a lot of times um, what that does is it forces people to either be in denial um, or uh, and when they're not feeling um, accepted by society um, or find ways to overcompensate, um, you know, maybe standing yet for a gay man dating women and objectifying them because this is really, you know, something that um, he's not emotionally connected to. And so it really forces you to be uh, to be someone you're not, which is what we're talking about, being authentic. And I think it's so important that right. um, when you're authentic, um, you find a way to live outside of the closet. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Indeed, indeed, a hundred percent on that. And then, you know, and then, and then in the further that, do you think the black community deals with homosexuality different than other races? Um, one thing that I will say um, from my experience, um, I think as a whole, um, um, homosexuality is not accepted. I think as a whole, okay. uh, by most races. Um, but I think within the black community, what um, maybe sets us aside from some of the other races is the strong ties to religion um, and to the church. Um, and so oftentimes you were, you know, you go to um, a, a church, African-American church, you don't find, um, you know, a pastor that is gay or, you know, people that are open um, and out. Unless you go to, like, non-denominational churches, a lot of those are coming up now that are ran by people of color or people in the black community um, where people can be open, but often not religion. And I think that, um, again, we talked about fixed morals and fixed beliefs. Religion has been a part of the African-American community or black community for so many years. And so I think people just don't understand um, exactly what uh, homosexuality is. And so without that knowledge, um, the first thing they think about is sex. And I think that it's important that you educate yourself that uh, homosexuality is not about sex. It's about love. And it's about um, mm. you because there are a lot, you know, we know you can, we can have sex with anybody. We know that there are a lot of right. uh, times where 
exactly what you're dating someone or, you know, one night stands, all this kind of stuff. And it has nothing to do with emotion. So I think that if the African-American community can understand that it's not about sex, that it's about love and that if, you know, everybody needs love and if that they can look at it from that point of view, I think there will be a lot more people accepting, just saying, listen, this person just needs love no matter where it comes from, and I'm glad that they're getting it. I love that. I love, that should be on a T-shirt right there because you're right. A lot of people, they when they find out someone is gay, they instantly go to the bedroom. They instantly um, mm-hmm. just visualize what this person is doing with someone of the same gender. Um, and mm-hmm. I know a lot of homosexuals who are who are celibate, who are who are not having sex, who are single and and on their own. You know, and they looking for sex, but they can't even find it. So to, it's together. It's unfair, and and to leave out the love intimacy and all that part is also unfair. So you hit the nail right on the head with that, and I appreciate you for saying it just like that. Yeah, you know, it's, for me, when I think, and I think whenever I'm educating people, I always say, um, you know, if you're going straight to the bedroom when you think of um, um, gay couples or lesbian couples, then get your mind out the gutter. Because right. no relationship is all about sex. No relationship. And trust me, just how there are sexless marriage and sexless um, relationships where it's hetero, trust me, there can it's the same on the other side. And so I think that <laughs> if people can take the time really to say, listen, you know, love is love. And, and the same issues I have in my marriage where we're going three months and you're in the other bedroom because of something you did. And, and it's the same when you go into, you know, um, a lesbian couple's house or a gay couple's house. It's the same. You're in the other bedroom because you did something I didn't like, and there's no different. We are no different. Um, and so um, it, the importance is being able to understand that everyone is the same. Um, we are no different from gender, race. Everyone deals with issues um, that somebody that is different than us can relate to. Agreed, one hundred percent, hundred percent. And then let's let's take this a step further, you know. And I thought, no, there's something that most people don't even understand. A lot of heterosexual people don't understand that there is internalized homophobia, you know, and it's really prevalent within the gay community. And basically, it is, you know, people who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender who don't like you know, lesbians, gays, bisexuals, are transgenders. You know, they have this internalized view of the whole human sexuality part of it that just causes damage and harm within relationships. For example, you may have a, a gay man who is with a partner who is more open about their, his sexuality, and they don't like it. They're like, no, let's keep this in the closet. Let's keep this, you know, between us. The world doesn't have to know about our love and all that kind of stuff. And that is viewed as a form of internalized homophobia, you know, so from from your practice and your experience, you know, what have you seen or heard about it or had to deal with it when it comes to people that you've interacted with? Yeah, and so first I think just um, for a little education on what exactly is homophobia, so it's just self-hatred. It is one's hatred for their own homosexuality, and it's killing people. And so I think that a lot of times, from my experience, people don't really understand it and they don't know what it looks like in a relationship um, because it, oftentimes it's so subtle and it's entangled into all the other stuff that we deal with on a, a normal basis or, you know, um, that most humans deal with, work and family. You don't even think about that. But it looks, just for like a little insight, I wanted to share, like usually this is when um, someone of the same sex wants to have a romantic relationship uh, with another man or another woman, um, but uh, even and even though they desire it, they feel that they cannot, um, or that it has to be a secret because of the repercussions of family or community, um, or just not knowing what the unknown would be. Um, sometimes, you mentioned forcing your partner to stay in the closet or not wanting to be affectionate in public, um, and just having disgust towards other gay people who are not considered your um, you know, who don't blend in, who do not pass, um, and, you know, the hate, the disgust towards, like, men who are considered flamboyant or women who are butch, um, and then just not right. being open about your sexuality, you know what I mean? 
And so, um, no, I, I get it. I'm with you. Absolutely. <laughs> the thing is, is that, you know, when you have self-hatred, you're not even safe in settings that are safe. There's so many places that you can go with um, people who are like you, uh, the LBGTQ centers, um, mentors, but you, when you have that hatred within yourself, you don't even allow other people who actually uh, love you and, and are open and are proud to be um, gay so much hatred to yourself, and that is a wall and a barrier. And so it's really unfortunate because I think a lot of times people think that this kind of stuff is something you can change, and they want to pray it away or they want to get therapy for it to go away. But if this is who you are and you're having acceptance for who you are, then then you need to accept that this is something that probably will not change. And I think when you when you when you put it like you're hundred percent right. Um, how does one how does one start the process of accepting who they really are when they are so fearful of losing what they think they need? For example, family mm-hmm. or friends or loved ones or whatever. Like if if I come out the closet or if I'm my, if I'm my authentic self. You know, and it's even more deeper for the you know the trans um, community because they're they're mm-hmm. shifting a whole lot more. You know, but how does one begin the work of saying, okay, let me just throw caution to the wind and live 100% true, and be and prepare themselves for the loss that may come. Yeah, um, I think that you know the first step is throwing in the towel and what you cannot control. Right, accepting that, yeah, I probably can't control my attraction to this person or someone of the same sex, and having this fight with myself, I'm losing. So throw in the towel and say, I give up, I surrender, Um, you know, society, you win. I'm coming out because the, the, the gay community does not want you to be in the closet. And so what the next step, I think, would be is to find a community. Find your local LBGTQ center, um, immerse yourself in communities with other uh, gay folks um, who are out, proud, and happy. And even if you're not quite there, you know, you can fake it till you make it. And and there will be people <laughs> there that will help. Yeah, fake it. <laughs> you, right, fake it till you make it. There will mm-hmm. be people there who will help you fake it uh, because, they're not accepting of people who are not accepting of the gay community. So if you go there and you're not accepting of yourself, then then check through real fast. Get some self-love. You know, if you're going to come around, you have to be happy. You have to be out. You have to be open. You can't be timid. And if you are not out, we need to help you find the strength and the love and we give you the support to be out. Um, and so I think it's it. And also I think after you've developed that confidence, go to a gay pride festival. You know, um, even if you're not <laughs> out at a festival, listen, it forces you to be out because everyone is proud and gay, you know, and, and, and happy. And it, I think it's, you know, you have to sometimes um, become who you want to be. And if you're hiding from yourself, you, you might have to go and sit in a room full of nothing but people who you, who you are living, excuse me, who are living um, their authentic self which will push you to be, um, to live your authentic life. That's a, that's a very good point. You know, I, um, I mentor a lot of young gay men of color and many of them, you know, um, have gone through different situations in terms of, you know, quote unquote, coming out of the closet or finding mm-hmm. themselves or just having that, that self-acceptance to just live authentically. Um, however, there are also some, you know, that I've encountered over the years who are still dealing with that. They're, they're like, Dante, I can't do this because, you know, I lose my mother. Or I can't do this because the church will kick me out. I can't do this. And there's all these reasons why they, they cannot, you know, be who they want to be or be who they see themselves being because they're in such a headlock by the systems that we've created, um, the heteronormative systems we've created. And, and it's, it's frustrating for them. They're aggravated. They're stressed. You know, they're very tightly wound. And they're also hypersexual, you know, and, and the sex that they do have is not always the most responsible or the safest because they, they're sneaking to do a lot of it because they're not open. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm noticing that, and because I work within the black community, I can't speak for the other communities, but I see the black community, it's a lot more difficult for them to just come out, especially based upon where they live. If they live in a very urban, you know, area where it's very hyper-masculine, a lot of them get picked on or bullied for being their authentic selves. And, and yes, you know, the gay pride and, and going to gay centers can be a mild reprieve, you know, from those neighborhoods or environments, but it's just finding it where they can live in the totality of who they are that they're struggling with. And I do agree that they need to be in the company of others who are living authentic and being positive influences and positive role models, but it's not always easy um, for them. And I think that's the part that, that I find the most challenging because, of course, I can't bring them all home with me, um, but I just wish I could just find a way to make it easier for them to find that place of authenticity. And on the flip side, I also know a lot of older men who are still in the closet, you know, for lack of a better expression, and are not authentic within their, their sexual orientation, and they spew that over into the younger generation. So it, it, it just it keeps the cycle going, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the thing is is that which is so un- which is so unfortunate, there'll be some people who will never live in their city. Um and if and the thing that holds a, a lot of folks back, someone who really wants to be out, is when you live in a household, um, or you're in an environment that is stagnant and constrained and rigid and is not safe and so for the younger folks who cannot get out um, or have to live at home, um, it is so important to maybe try and find some safe place where your parents can be educated, um, where they're mm. able to just understand a little bit about what you're going through, um, at least if you're not agreeing with it, just to allow you to come talk to them. Um, maybe share a little bit of knowledge on how your day went, um, you know, being in those shoes in a, in a school where it's not so much accepted um, or people are bullied because they choose to dress a certain way. And so with that being said, that is why um, schools need to employ education um, and educating other kids on accepting others' differences um, and, and right. making sure yeah. that communities that are going into the schools or finding ways to, to just educate, even if you don't have to be someone who is at school or educator in that way. If you know a little bit about something and you come across someone who you know does not understand it, then it's your duty um, as a person of society to educate the next person. And it's, it's always important that if we all take on that responsibility, just educate someone. Say, listen, this is not what it is. I actually have a son who is gay. I have a daughter who is gay. Your child will be okay. You, will, you may still get grandchildren, you know, um, and, and, like, this is not the end of the world. Like, it, you can pray about it. It's okay, but accept your child for who they are. But if, if, if no one around you is opening up and saying, listen, this is okay. Let me give you a lending hand or educate you on this. I, I know what it's like. I'm a mom of a, a trans child, too. Then, then we're not doing our job to help others around us who may not have the resources we have or the knowledge. So it's important to make sure that you're just sharing the knowledge that you have with someone else, and you may change a, a family's perspective and actually save a family. And I love that. So basically you're saying it takes a village. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, take, it takes a village, and, and we all have to do our part to educate our neighbor, educate the person down the street, uh, and to let people know that that communities are safe and change the thought process and just change the patterns of how we've been dealing with not only homosexuality but just human sexuality as a whole. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we we still we still look at women like they should not be sex should not be having sex unless they're married or or to get pregnant. You know, some people still have that notion that, that, you know, women, you know, having multiple sex partners is completely unhealthy, but men can do it. You know, it's such a double standard. Mm-hmm. Like, women should not like sex at all. 
and I think that you're right. We got to begin to have these conversations and educate each other about human sexuality so we can begin to see see the tables turn a bit more so we can focus on what's really more important in our communities outside of who's sleeping with who. That, because that's not important. <laughs> it's, right. You know, it's not right. important to with who. <laughs> if it's yeah, not you, it, it, it does not matter. It's not your concern. Right. And, and people <laughs> should employ that. You know, why are you caring about what someone else is getting in their home? In my mind, I think as long as you're getting love, then I'm good with it. I would prefer love over fight. I would prefer a happy same-sex couple, you know, as a neighbor or a family member than a family member that's heterosexual and they're in a domestic violence relationship. Um, And so, you know, for me, yes, it is important that it is individually based. Nobody's the same. Um, And and that it's all about making sure that you're concerned with yourself. If we take responsibility and put our focus into making our own lives better and not so much energy into what people do, into what we feel people are doing wrong um, or that doesn't fit our beliefs, then we will be a lot happier. The the energy you Amen. put, yeah, the energy that some people put into wanting others to conform to how they believe it should be, then, you know, it, and then you're lacking in other areas of your life um, that we could right. also judge. And so it's, it's important that put your energy into yourself. If someone is gay, let them be happy, and that is it. If, if you choose to date interracially, let you be happy, and that's it. How, how we choose to live our lives. Um, should I think should only be concern of others when it's unhealthy and it's unhappy. That's when I think you should put your two cents in when you see a fight going on or, you know, uh, someone being abused. That is a time that you should speak up and protest. Um, not when 100%. it's love. Yes, absolutely. And that's a really, and, I and mean, I think, that's a really <laughs> good point, how you're saying it. I mean, if we just focus on is the relationship healthy, you know, whether gay, straight, bisexual, whatever, are they healthy, happy, and in love? Now, I don't care mm-hmm. if you're gay and getting abused or straight and getting abused. Abuse uh, any kind of way is wrong. You know, that's wrong. Yes. You know, verbal, physical, mental, emotional, it, it's just wrong. But if two people are happy, why is it? Why all the hubbub? Why, uh, why all the energy, you know, going towards somebody's happiness? And it, it seems, you know, and, and my, my friend Bridget P. Cool just responded, you know, that seems like it should be obvious. You know, it should be an obvious discussion that folks are happy, let them be. You know, and it's just unfortunate that it's not the case. Um, and I think that and how you're talking about in the, in the black community, you know, all communities, how we just really have a community mind you know, just come together mm-hmm. as a community and have these roundtables, have these conversations. But why do you think, and this is not even part of the questions that I gave you, why do you think there is so much unwillingness to have conversations about sex and human sexuality within the black community specifically? Why is there so much um, aversion to it? people are afraid. Yeah. People are afraid of what they want to hear. They want to believe in their idea of what, sex should be like, you know, um, and it's all different, you know, and, and, but the thing is, is I think that people are afraid to discuss things that are considered outside of the norm, but meanwhile, it's okay to over-sexualize African-American women, but we don't want to talk about what the sex looks like, uh, you know, or, or what um, a sexual relationship in a healthy way looks like in, in a gay or LBGT uh, relationship. And so it is about what we want to see. Um, most people feel that they, they want to see what they want to see. And if what I view um, as unsexy or unappealing, then that is what everyone else should see. Everyone else should see why this is so nasty or why this is uh, you know, why this is not right to men with each other, but no one sees why is it not right that, and, and you know, I might get some 
some lashes on this one, but why is it not right that um, a, a heterosexual woman, I've had this conversation, often will, you know, um, and I, I say this in the nicest way, will sleep with other women because that's what pleases her man. And she's a straight woman. And so mm. for me, it's like, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. not okay. Why, why is it not okay right. for people who can get degree, but it's okay that because my guy wants a threesome or he wants the ideal or, you know, what the social construct says a man, a woman should give for her husband, that threesome, why is that not okay? Because actually she, that's not even something she's into if she's a straight woman and she's not, some straight women are. But if that's something she's not into, and from my experience, they solely do it because that is what their partner wants. So why is that not looked at as wrong? Because this here is not something someone wants to do as opposed to a consensual, loving couple. Because they're right. the same so it's like acceptable. It's acceptable fantasy. You know, it's like, well, mm-hmm. I'm doing this to please you, and I, I'm going to sacrifice myself to make sure that you're happy. Mm-hmm. Sacrifice what I want to do to make sure you're happy. And it's also, that's also something that a lot of, lot of um, homosexual people do. They'll sacrifice their happiness to make those around them feel more comfortable. You know, um, they're not, yeah. I'm not going to hold, hold hands, no PDA in public because I don't want to make society uncomfortable. I'm not going to bring my partner to the family picnic because I don't want to make my grandmother or grandfather or cousins uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there alone, you know, with all, all this other relationship dysfunction all around me, and my, my happiness is back at home by themselves. You know, and mm-hmm. that's a very good point. It's like, we, you know, we, we – tolerate we want to tolerate and we allow folks to we want everyone else to feel okay despite how we feel you know and I think that's something that a lot of us have to get over you know putting ourselves first is not always easy for a lot of people especially when we have a family I come from a family where elders are celebrated and the word of the elder is bond and we don't want to ruffle any feathers so we have suppressed our likes, our desires, our needs to just keep the peace. And that's, that's a hard thing to overcome, you know, without proper therapy and counseling and guidance. And I'm sure you've had a lot of people talk to you about that. Absolutely. I think, and, and what I share in therapy is you have to, we, life is a battle and relationships with family is a battle. If you, who, who do you want to win, the family or you, because if you go into the barbecue without your spouse or your partner because you don't want people to look, if you're not holding hands when you're walking on the pier because you don't want people to look, if you're not sitting close to each other when it's cold outside because you don't want people to look, then you've lost. Everyone else is winning. Meanwhile, they, they're cuddled up with their family at the picnic but your family is somewhere at home and you're texting. Um, we have to make our self a priority and understand that who I am is not going to please everyone. Um, and the person I need to please the most is the person that lives in this skin, and, and that is myself. Um, I will make sure that I'm always first when it comes to making sure there's comfortability. And, and, and I share with folks, if your family does not want you and your partner at the barbecue, but you want your partner there, then guess what? You don't go to the barbecue. Because as in any relationship, if this is my partner, then this is a part of me. And so if you don't accept them, then you don't accept the part of me. And then are you actually loving me unconditionally, or is it conditional liking when only we don't talk about my gay side? Or you know the mm. my the the fact that I'm trans or that when that part doesn't show up then it's okay for me to come. I say I tell my clients for that um, you have to let people miss you so that when you come back around they understand that they have to accept all of you and that that you that you're not going to accept um, them only accepting a piece of you and that means if my partner comes to the Christmas function that we're accepted and we're felt comfortable and and we all are there as a family and that I don't feel my gayness. <laughs> and and if that is not the case then guess what? There's another Christmas party 
that will, and sometimes you have to opt out and really say that, unfortunately, my family is unhealthy for me at this time. Just because we're family doesn't mean that we're not people, and we're and, and family has to abide by the same rules and respects that you place on others. And so, um, if your family can't accept you, then then it's, it's time to set up a little bit of boundaries and get them to understand that they have to accept all of you, or then they get none of you. And then that's a choice that they need to make. You preach it. You you know you preaching. You done got comfortable now. Look at you. You ain't nervous. Seriously, people who impose their feelings onto you. Um and, and it's the same feeling. Now it, it, why didn't like the boyfriend you bought brought around and and that's always treating you wrong, but it's okay for him to come because He's of the opposite sex. No. Right. Um, I think it's important. we got to demand self-respect. And, and and by doing that, you will begin to love yourself more and more. Every time you put someone in, the pl- in their place about how they're treating you in a way that they wouldn't want to be treated, you add a notch onto your belt, you know, and, 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 cl- and you get closer to your happiness. I love I, I you. I mean, you've hit so many topics. I mean, so many different things. Especially when you said um, when you said let let them miss you. You got to make folks miss you. You know, so they can kind of just see what it's all about. And then just getting your respect. And you're right. It's very difficult to sit in a space where you're seeing everyone do what they want to do without without explanation mm-hmm. and with acceptance. And you're coming from a place of love and not bothering nobody yet you're made to feel ashamed. You know, that is, that is, that's dead on. And I think that is something that a lot of people need to wake up and realize that you come first. And whether it's family or friends or whoever it is that's disrespecting you or making you feel less than, you got to put yourself first, you know, and it's a hard pill to swallow and that separation will be uncomfortable. But like you said, once you begin to feel affirmed and once you begin to get that respect, you're going to love that place that you're in. You're going to love that space. You're going to enjoy it. So, no, you're, you're dead on with, with that. You know, and, and with that with that being said, I make sure that I also, um, in treatment, teach uh, people to understand one another. So sometimes, yeah, my mom or my dad may not accept me, but if I can just get them to understand and understand my process and say, hey, this is my process. I know you may not understand if you want to go on the journey with me. You know, maybe I'll bring my partner around you guys first before I share this person with the world. Or maybe I'll bring you to a pride festival just so you can be immersed in what that looks like. And, and a lot of time it takes experience experiencing things to see something different. Um, a lot of people who are opposed or have um, um, negative views against LGBTQ, they've not taken the time to spend with the community. If you have, uh, you will be surprised how quick you forget uh, that this person is gay and, and, and look at them for just who they are, another person. Uh, when you're because that's all we are. It really LGBTQ um, same sex love. It's a label. Um, really, it's all about love. Um, if you can love anybody and have the capacity to have someone love you back in a relationship, I would tell you. I tell folks take that any day over the one where you're sitting home, you're alone because you can't live in your authentic self. You know, and and so. It's, it's rather be the person that's out and about um, all the way around in all years of life, accepting and loving who you are, or choose the other end. And the end is a sad end, the one that is isolated, unhappy, at home, hiding behind their closet, their, their closet doors uh, because they're too afraid of what others will say. In the end, the battle's with yourself. And if you cannot be you, then you will lose every single time. It's the easiest battle to win is being yourself, but it's the hardest to sustain, I think, 
when you have people around you who do not um, appreciate who you really are. So surround yourself with people who love you. Um, regardless, create a new family. Um, you know, there, you know of the uh, ideal of the, and I can't even think of the name, but like just creating when you have young LGBTQ youth who find a, a sponsor or a mother-like figure that w- that is of the um, gay community that will accept them or a parental figure when they're not getting that at home. So finding other areas to fill the holes or the emptiness that maybe family don't provide for you. Love it. Yep, you're talking about the house and ball community. You know, they, they create yeah, a family a family of their own. Yep. House and ball. Yes. That's the house that's the house and ball community. You know, I mean the the T V show that's about to start called, you know, Pose is digging into the house and ball culture. So it really does show how a lot of um, LGBT youth who are kicked out or ostracized, they form their own families um, closer than the bonds that they had with their blood relatives. And you're, you're dead on. It's time for a lot of us to just really create our own families because we're trying so, so hard to fit into this, this, this blood lineage that has done us wrong and has stressed us out and frustrated us that we're overlooking all the friends who have really become our family, you know, and, and we got to begin to reevaluate what we're allowing to be deposited into our spirit by our families and how our families are making us feel. And sometimes we do have to separate to just go still away, find ourselves and, and recreate who we are as individuals. So we can live our authentic life. Like you said, we only got one shot at this. We go through life one time. There's no dress rehearsal. We are on stage right now. This is it. You know how we're going to do it. So, you know, Margina, you have truly dropped some knowledge on tonight. So if people want to come to you for services, you know, do they just, how do they reach out to you? Let's, let's, let's pitch you and, and let folks know how they can get in contact with you, connect with you, obtain your services. I mean, how do they go about it? Yeah, so I would say the first thing to do is to go to my website. So that's marginacarter.com. So it's um, www.marge, N as in Nancy, A, carter.com. Um, and you can find all my information on there, how to reach out. Um, I'm also on Psychology Today, which is a big source um, for uh, therapists where um, clients can go and, and check and see if they find a therapist that fits them, if they take their insurance. Um, so just educating folks in general, if, if I'm not a good fit for you, there are some, a lot of things that people go through that I just can't treat. Um, and so um, it's important to find therapy in general. But if you're looking for um, someone who specializes in trauma, in family, in divorce, um, you know, in LBGTQ, then I am definitely the person for you. Uh, you can go onto my website, get my number, and contact me, um, or shoot me an email, and yeah, that would be uh, how you would get in contact with me. And also, we offer um, free initial phone com- um, consultations, and so folks can call me, get a feel for me, see if they feel like it's a good fit. It's important to find a therapist that is a good fit because we all know the healing is within the therapeutic relationship. So uh, go on my website, get my information, and contact me and come in for some treatment. I love it. I love it. And uh, in addition to that, do you have, like, any upcoming speaking engagements? Are you going to be anywhere? Are folks can come and hear you, you know, do any talks or something like that? You know what? Uh, I Not at this time. I actually am teaching. I just taught a class this past weekend um, on non-suicidal self-injury. So for sure that there will be some engagements coming up soon but right now I've been taking on um the professor role and that in, in teaching um in the evenings and workshops and going back to school myself um and so um at some point this year and maybe I'll come back on and chat with you it's been a good chat yeah definitely definitely Right. <laughs> you dropped some knowledge. You you helped me in some certain areas. You don't even know it, but you did. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, no, definitely. I am you, so appreciative. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm glad we made the connect. Absolutely, absolutely. I thank you so much for having me. Um, it was an absolute pleasure, and we will do this again. 
Yes, definitely, definitely. So everybody, make sure you check out Margina Carter. You know, check out our website, www.marginacarter.com. You know, reach out to her and just, hey, let's, let's, let's get our mental together. Like she said, you know, we got one shot at this. And, you know, therapy is needed. You know, we all have bouts with depression sometimes. We all got issues and struggles and challenges. And I'm just hoping that tonight something was said that encouraged you and empowered you and just gave you just the push you needed, you know, to go and, and get some help, you know, and just find somebody to talk to. You know, therapy should not be an embarrassment. You should not feel ashamed by having to go to get therapy or nothing like that. But I think it is definitely important that we just take care of ourselves first because, like they always say on the airplanes, you know, put your oxygen mask on first and then help those that are around you. Okay, so just mental, 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 mind matters, mind matters, mind matters. And you can also find Margina Carter on Facebook. It's M-A-R-G-E-N-A, last name Carter. She is on Facebook. So go ahead and send her a friend request or inbox or whatever you got to do to connect with her. But I think she's an important person to have in your life. And you heard on tonight that she knows what she's talking about. She ain't sugarcoating, and she will get you to the next level. <laughs> All right? All right, y'all, so that wraps up our show on tonight. Um, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Um, it is Memorial Day week, so if you're going to go out of town this weekend, be safe. You know, don't drink and drive. Stay sober. Use condoms. Use protection. Y'all know I'm an HIV-AIDS advocate. I'm always pushing safer sex. I'm not going to tell you not to have sex because you're going to do it anyway, but if you must do it, make sure you got protection. Wrap it up. Know your HIV status, HIV test. You can get your results in 60 seconds. You want me to test you? I will test you. Come and meet me at APLA Health and Wellness, 3741 South La Brea in the city of Los Angeles. I will give you an HIV test. You can also get an STD test, treatment, any kind of leakage or pain in those areas. We can make that happen. We're also a full-service PrEP and PEP clinic. PrEP is pre-exposure prophylaxis. It is the once-a-day pill you can take to decrease your chance of contracting HIV by up to 97%. And PEP is the regimen of pills you can take after you've been exposed. You must get on PrEP within 48, 72 hours of exposure um, for it to be effective. If you want to learn more about either PrEP or PEP, shoot me an inbox. If you are currently living with HIV and you are out of care and you're in the Los Angeles area and you need to get back in care, shoot me a Facebook message. Yes, I am really invested in the HIV AIDS field. I love what I do. I love um, letting folks know about HIV, STDs, and all that kind of stuff. I'm big on safer sex and sexual health. All right? So, Margina talked a lot tonight about love. I mean, love, 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 love. It's all about love. She was like, at the end of the day, it's not about who you're in the bedroom with. Get out of folks' bedrooms. Are they in love or not? If they're in love, leave them alone. And with that being said, we're going to close out tonight's show with the icon herself, Miss Janet Jackson, because that's the way love goes. Like all right, y'all, until next fire. week. My love is blind, can't you see my desire? That's the way love goes.
That's the way love goes. 